After a meal like that, you deserve a little dessert. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Ten seconds left. And Johnny Tavares, if you are listening at home, this one is for Johnny Toronto. The Leafs respond and win the game 5-1 to one, and even the series at a game apiece. Phenomenal response for the Maple Leafs. This is Leafs Station postgame on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Sam McKee and Danielle Furtado along for the ride as well. And as you heard Joe Bowen's call right there, all square one, a rather dominant effort for the Maple Leafs on this Saturday night. And what he's saying is is accurate. The rallying cry for John Tavares. And, you know, the guy that came to Toronto, his hometown, took the wrath of Islander fans when it back. But he wanted to get success in the playoffs. They haven't had it yet so far. And this year is the year that they look to have it. He was going to be a big part of it. Well, without him, you're right. This, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're the best team. They're the yeah. best team in this division. They're the better of these two teams. Doesn't mean you automatically win the series. And when they were down one nothing and a little bit of adversity that way, it was a guy like Jason Spezza, you know, depth guy that evened it up, and then the Maple Leaf juggernaut got rolling. And we saw more about the skill and all other things, and it was kind of like uh, a man against boys in a lot of ways once they turned it on. It really felt that way, and certainly you need your big players to step up this time of year. Austin Matthews, again, and we talked about this in the bubble. I thought he was incredible in those five games against Columbus. Continues a goal and two assists, four shots on goal, four hits for Austin Matthews tonight. And you mentioned it earlier, people, you know, there's always this assumption about, you know, the, the, the physical part. Well, Austin Matthews, the physical part never mattered. Yeah. He's led the team in hits about 10 times this season. He had five hits last game. Not sure what he had this game, but uh, I, I know he caught one for uh, Brendan Gallagher, like got him by surprise. And he just is care. He, he's the dominant guy out there, setting things up, firing shots, being physical, not being bothered where other teams are physical. Fun to watch. You know, you're, you're, you see the, the you see the players that hoist Stanley Cups, and it's usually the team is hoisting it because that guy played so well, the leader. And Austin Matthews, absolutely, he really has done that most playoffs. You know, I don't he think has. there's other guys you could take some issues with, but yeah, he he was he's been in full flight both games. Lead by example, big time. The Maple Leafs take it five one here against Montreal in Game Two, series all square one. Of course, a back to back. Don't forget that starting Monday night uh, at the Bell Center in Montreal, Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic at the Golden Muzzy or at Gord Stelic. If you like to chime in here. Again, Austin Matthews, one and two. Um, another thing I thought Toronto really dominated in this game, obviously puck possession, but the face-offs, hashtag face-offs matter. They won 66% of draws tonight, Gord. Yeah, it's um, face-offs are kind of like baseball standings that you play 10 games in baseball, you win four, you lose four, and it's the other two that matter. You're between 400 and 600. That's kind of like face-offs. So to get over that is really impressive. And, you know, everything about it, you start with possession, possession time, and, you know, whether you're analytical or non-analytical, you know what's good. And Austin Matthews is one of those guys that was really good on the, well, I guess they all were on the face-offs tonight. Oh, no doubt about that. And again, uh, the prevailing story, the Maple Leafs winning at 5-1, doing it for John Tavares. Should mention as well, Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca will drop by later on to break this one down. But certainly feeling much better tonight than we did about 48 hours ago. And a big reason why, Gord, 
The power play, two for six in this hockey game, probably two for five because I got a PP late, but uh, that's encouraging, those developments. Well, it was, and we're kind of kidding, and you tweeted it out that Dominic Ducharme was going to follow the lead of Rod Brindamore and Craig Berube and uh, and John Cooper. It's funny, most coaches that are, a couple of co- coaches that are in the lead in their series that way, all of a sudden it's making the officiating accountable time, or so it seems, and uh, when Dominic Ducharme was having it out with the refs, he never got a call after that. The Leafs kept getting power play opportunities, so it was it was great to see finally happen. They got a power play on the on the terrible challenge by the Canadians, and it's almost like the Leafs uh, went easy on them on that power play. That was like a power play, ineffectual power play of old. But you know you got to make teams pay for taking penalties. You, you otherwise, what's the point? You're kind of giving them a free license. There isn't that much of a risk for them to try to try try to push the envelope. Yeah, that was one of the more bizarre challenges I think since we've seen that rule sort of instituted. It, I don't know what what screen or what you know looks they had, but it was nowhere close. If they called that back, uh, I think Toronto was ready to ride Vancouver style. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my. Well, okay. <laughs> but yes, close enough. Though. Yes, you know let's just say that. Yeah, the fans. Will, well, it, it would make no sense. You you would have to send out memos about reviews. But what did they see though? Is my question. Okay. Well, everyone they felt they saw more interference from Joe Thornton's stick. Yeah. I believe that. I mean, we all know that. Okay. No bleep Shylock or Sherlock, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think uh, I think because it's the Stanley Cup playoffs. The referees took an inordinate amount of time. The whole point about these uh, replays are it's supposed to be a quick replay, quick decision. Uh, I think because the, the, I think the officials were wondering what did they see. Let's go over this again because you know they right. basically screwed. They're screwed. You know they, they they're going to lose it. They're going to give up another power play. They're down. I think three one at that yeah. time. Like you're basically kind of I didn't say giving the game, but man, that that that's that's going to change the fortune of the game dramatically. So that's why I think they took too long a time because really it was pretty obvious. I, I think it was a calculated gamble, knowing Toronto was struggling mightily on the power play, and they thought this is our chance to keep it a two one hockey game. That's all I, I'm trying to think outside the box and suggest why they would they would deem that a challengeable, like it it took way too, who knows what was going on behind the scenes. We'll probably never find out, but we've seen way worse, not called and called for that matter. And to suggest that that was even remotely close. I don't know what angle the guy's trying to tip the puck was Joe Thornton though. He wasn't even close. And again, as you said earlier in the broadcast too, which I think was a great point, you can see quickly from the response of a goalie if he feels something was done wrong, and Carey Price just reacted like he had let another goal in. Yeah, you know, you might have wanted to back your goalie if Carey Price was going crazy yeah. about it. You say, hey, man, we got to make care. But Carey Price was nonplussed, okay? It went in, <laughs> and it, there was... Because because there's nobody in the building, you can you know look at the general manager suites rather quickly, and whether it was Bergevin or somebody else was doing this animated on their big screen TV. So I I get the feeling they said let's get word down to the bench, and the bench probably thought oh, I don't know what they're seeing, but they said to review it, and that's how the review went. But it was really strange. Speaking of really strange, uh, Pierre Engvall. I'm not saying he's strange, but uh, I mean what an absolute. Monster. Is it crazy to say that was Pierre Engvall's best game as an NHLer? No. He was really no. good. I mean, tonight. I don't have a video of all his games. We should handy, have it but, somewhere. Uh, yeah, no, we really like, like, he's, I think people are surprised by his deceptive speed at times. Yeah. Cause he, he doesn't appear like Mitch Marner just looks and you go, oh my God, okay, here he goes. He's good. But <laughs> Pierre Engvall, it's just deceptive. You go, cause he's kind of a tall guy and whatever. And they go, Hey, he just he just beat that guy. He just beat the crap out of the guy in a race that way. I thought I thought he was hugely hugely effective, and you know, and um, 
this round, and hopefully there's more rounds to come, you are going to need the depth play and the depth scoring, and, and he certainly gave you that to you tonight. And, and you start with that, you know, a lot of people commented if there was an observation game one, if they were going to be kept together in a line, Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons, which they were the fourth line, um, they've been a little lacking. Uh, they all brought it today. You know, and Spezza got that clutch goal and Simmons' physicality. I thought there was a feistiness to Joe Thornton as well. So you got the kid depth, the younger depth in, in Engvall, and then you got the, the veterans, which are, you know, more depth players uh, in, in, in those guys, how they played. I truly feel like the bottom six deserves the tip of the cap tonight because it opens up more time and space. They really set the tone for this 5-1 victory, and you are right on Engvall. He is deceiving. Like, a lot of people wouldn't realize this guy's 6'5". It's not like he's 5'. Like, he's a big guy out yeah. there, and when he uses his his might and his wit and, you know, his speed. I mean, he's tough to get off the puck. Even the, the penalty he drew on, on Shea Weber late in the second period, that that was the most engaged I've seen Pierre Engvall. So it goes without saying he's back in the lineup for Game 3 Monday night. Well, and and you, you got this feistiness in yeah. all different quarters. You, yeah. didn't, you know, Simmons is obvious. He's going after it's everyone. He's, he's going after the uh, he's going after the heavyweights, but everyone else uh, is unafraid to come up with a hit or whatever it may be. And yeah, uh, you're gonna hey, playoff hockey is more physical hockey. The, these these Leafs just have not experienced it as a team going deep, and it doesn't get any less physical the longer you go. So it's funny how the narrative changes game to game. Um, certainly coming out of this one. It'll be Montreal's ineptitudes offensively, right? They have three goals in this series, and suddenly here goes the conversation we all knew was coming, Cole Caulfield. If I'm the Leafs, bring it on. Uh, They've seen Caulfield in the regular season. You have guns. If you want to go tit for tat, bring it. Uh, Toronto is still a better offensive team, even with Cole Caulfield in the lineup, Gord. Yeah, and I know Jerry D did a little bit for our yeah. network. I, I I think he's quite funny, quite humorous sports. He fan. is a comedian, so. and yeah, but his thing he goes just he goes just just had breaking news that Cole Caulfield will start yeah. in game number three. Yeah. yeah, they weren't able to like they all of a sudden at the at the end. It's funny when the game got out of hand. Montreal started being that physical self. And I think that's why at the end, Wayne Simmons just said, "Okay, you want to do that?" And he went out with nine seconds left and tried to start something. So, yeah, that that style of game uh, didn't work against the Maple Leafs, Florida. Tried against yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you know it can be effective to a degree. But if you have more skill and more talent, you're better five on five. That ultimately is what should rue the day, and that's what did for the Leafs tonight. And I'm curious to hear, you know, what Dominic Ducharme says after this one because we sort of intimated it could be about the officiating. But I think it was quite clear, and maybe we're a bit biased because we do cover the Leafs. There was one definitive better team in this hockey game, and it was the Leafs. I thought Montreal was chasing all night, Gord. Well, oh, absolutely. I, I I can see him doing it, uh, Dominic Ducharme, like Calculated. the other guys, because it's yeah. kind of a you know cry you have your teams yeah. back and you'll throw it a little bit that way but again and 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 Brindamore really surprises me because Carolina really is dominating and yeah. I always say if you are the better team you will overcome uh, uh, excellent goaltending uh, which Carey Price has given them you'll overcome uh, indifferent officiating you know and and you know you'll you'll overcome all, and injuries as well so the Maple Leafs uh, have, have well, I say have it all of that Montreal think it's the indifferent officiating tonight so this is Toronto's first playoff victory Against Montreal since 1967, Game 6 of that final. May 2nd, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they had lost nine in a row to the Habs. Yeah, I remember those series in 1978 and 79. In both those years, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup and and, uh, beat the Leafs four straight. And the other thing about the 67 team is, okay, think this through. And uh, because I've talked, well, I wrote a book with Damian Cox about that 67 team. It was just a, it was a lot of hard work, but it was, it was a labor of love. And Montreal won the two Stanley Cups before that. 
and they won the two Stanley Cups after that. Mm-hmm. Expo 67, the World's Fair, was on that year. They were gonna they planned the Stanley Cup parade to be right around the World's Fair. The World's Fair back then were incredibly well attended, like mm-hmm. incredibly well attended. And um, and Toronto won it. So they screwed them up that year, Canada's Centennial, Expo 67, and also you don't think of that Montreal team being a dynasty. Yeah. They won four cups in five years. Yeah. But they ended up winning four cups in the 70s, and, of course, they won back in the 50s. So that 60s team of Montreal gets a little bit short shrift uh, uh, recognition-wise because of what the Leafs accomplished that last time the Toronto Maple Leafs have won a Stanley Cup. And again, I think the goal is to build this rivalry up again. You and I grew up with it. I, I just think it's a tremendous rivalry, and it's just unfortunate, really. These teams haven't met up in a long, long time, as we know. But I, I do sense the animosity is starting to build, and we're only two games in here. Yeah, familiarity breeds yeah. contempt. They're trying to do that in Florida as well. You could, you know, they they played for the Governor's Cup for a few years, but it meant nothing when the Panthers never made the playoffs or anything like that. So all of a sudden, you get a chance to build that up there, a newer rivalry. But yeah, Toronto, Montreal, um, you gotta like, yeah, I, I get it. Younger people, oh, that's a great story. It's got nothing to do with me. Oh, that's a great story. No, but now geographically, you can make the trip easy. They're two wonderful, passionate fan bases. So. Yeah, this this should be a nice way of build of rebuilding, rekindling uh, the best rival. What was the best rivalry in the NHL? And again, a nice added wrinkle this year in this postseason: a back to back in Game Three and Four. And we'll discuss that and much more coming up, including a Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca. We'll drop by. We'll hear from Sheldon Keefe and others. A great bounce back performance for the Maple Leafs, five one here in Game Two. That scored Stelic. I'm Nick Alberga. You're listening to Leafs Nation post game on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let our trained professionals help you come down from the high of the game. Here on the Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Canadians have the puck in the Toronto zone. Knocked into the corner by Dano. Got it back to the blue line. Bouncing puck there for John Merrill. Leafs are able to break it out. And here's Matthews to the line and in. Right wing side. Hall a shot. Scores! Holy Mackinac! It's 34! And the Maple Leafs have the lead thanks to Austin Matthews! And what a great shot pass there from Justin Hall. 1-2 and two for Austin Matthews. The Leafs smoking the Habs. 5-1. Series tied at 1. Game 3. Monday night in Montreal. Leafs Nation postgame continues here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Nick Alberga joined alongside Gord Stelic at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Uh, Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca will hop on later on. We'll hear from Sheldon Keefe. And again, just uh, a much different feel and certainly the Maple Leafs winning one for their captain tonight, Gord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, there's not that feel we all experienced mm-hmm. in, in the first period last game. And uh, just... Uh, a whole, a whole, like they played their game. The lead, the least, yes. even from the word go, even then when they were down one, nothing, the, the Toronto Maple police played their game, the speed, the skill, all those other things. And it took the game to the Montreal Canadians where last game, again, it was hard to gauge after the Tavares situation. But uh, I did think the Leafs last game, you know, they knew Tavares, it wasn't as catastrophic as first feared. Uh, they tied it up one, one, but then did not continue to play their game. Kind of let, let Montreal find a way to win. This was the Leaf team we've seen way more often than not during the abbreviated 56 game regular season schedule. Never in doubt. Uh, that's for certain. And again, we were looking for a response. We got it tonight, a five, one win for the Leafs. A lot of it again, seems to be a familiar story throughout this season because of this guy, Austin Matthews. Hey Austin. Um, other than uh, you know, I'm sure John was on all your guys' minds tonight. What, other than the obvious of just winning this, winning the game, even the series, what does this mean to the group to to do this for your captain? I mean, I think it means a lot. Um, not only for the guys in the locker room, but uh, for John himself. I mean, 
Uh, he's such a big part of this team and, and he's our leader. And, um, you know, obviously when uh, something really scary and serious uh, goes down like it did the other night, um, you know, the, I think the response from the group was unbelievable tonight. The guys that came in and, and stepped up, uh, stepped up big. And, um, you know, this is obviously a big one to even up the series. Hey, Austin, uh, how cute is it? First time over two months for the club to do that, to try to kind of get that rolling. Cause it did look, it did look good before the puck started going in, but, now the absolute evidence it can go in. How can you keep that rolling for game three? Do you think? I mean, I just think we uh, continue to do what we did uh, tonight: shoot the puck, get pucks through, and then guys crashing the net. Um, you know, some. Uh, I think when we shoot it, and we just try to uh, you know keep it a little bit more simple. That's when we uh, are able to move the puck uh, around and, and create these uh, these nicer um, plays. So uh, I think for us, we just want to continue that uh, you know simplicity of it and uh, continue to shoot pucks and get guys doing that. Hey, Austin, what do you like about what Rasmus brings to the power play? Um, he's so poised and, um, you know, he's deceptive. He's uh, extremely skilled. And, I mean, for how young he is, it doesn't seem like these big moments really shake him at all. He's, uh, he's extremely confident out there and he, he makes really nice plays and uh, sees the ice well. So, um, no, obviously, that's a, that's a huge, huge goal for, for our team. And I'm sure it, it felt really, really good for him, too. So, um you know, it's been uh, it's been a treat to watch him all year, but uh, obviously tonight, uh, you know, he made some pretty big plays. Austin, obviously, the power play a big part of this game. What did you like about the team's effort overall, five on five? What, what did you see as the biggest difference from game one? Uh, I thought all four lines really worked tonight. Um, you know, we were able to uh, to limit their chances. I thought uh, we did a better job in the neutral zone of uh, slowing them down, and you know, they fought particularly well. They got a lot of speed, and um, you know, I think just being able to slow them down and break out uh, a little bit cleaner. Uh, helped us a lot tonight. What stood about stood out about Jason Spezza's performance tonight? I mean, he just uh, he's so calm, cool, and collected out there. Um, you know, nothing really rattles him. Um, you know, for for a guy like that, uh, just continue to uh, you know make a difference every single night for this team. I mean, it's uh, it's been pretty incredible to watch. So, um, you know, it was a huge goal to get us uh, you know back to even tonight, and then he's been playing great for us. How long have you waited personally? to have a tour of force kind of game like you had tonight. A great offensively, physical, did everything you expect superstar players to do. How long have I been waiting? Yeah, I mean, to, to me, this was your best playoff performance since you've, you've been in Toronto. Uh, I don't know. I just, I try to play hard every night. And obviously, uh, you know, going down to 01. Um, you know, this was uh, you know, a bit of a do or die game for us tonight. So I think everybody really stepped up. I would say Austin Matthews has been waiting his whole life to play a hockey game like that, Court. Well, you know, what we forget is uh, it could be taken as a backhanded question, right? But I, I don't think, know what it was. Uh, I, uh, yeah, but the point is, part of it, you forget, Mike Babcock didn't play him a ton. Yeah. Mike, Bab- Mike Babcock had to fly to Arizona after the second year to appease, like Austin Matthews, who seems to be a, a guy that is, is not hard to handle, right? He doesn't yeah. seem to be a, a chronic complainer or whatever. Seems to be a low-maintenance star arguably superstar. So, so there were, were issues before he wasn't getting certain ice time, but anyway, yeah, he's getting all kinds of it. And, and that, so yeah, I can see him being a little bit saying like, did I really, I've really tried every game, but 
I, again, the hitting is the part. The physicality is the part that he's just gotten more and more comfortable. Yeah. He's, he's made himself stronger every year. Like, you know, he's worked on that, with not just his shot and other things, and becoming as complete a player. I mean, this year he decided there's not going to be a Rocket Richard trophy race. Yeah. I'm just going to take a big lead and win the sucker. And that's the thing, too, I think, is the evolution of Austin Matthews' game from, say, you know, his first game when he scores four goals to the player he is now is like night and day. And, and the physical element is what I love come the Stanley Cup playoffs because then you combo that with his skill, his skill, his speed, his determination. Like, he's unstoppable. And we saw that tonight. He was all over the ice. And again, Maple Leafs so happy to have Austin Matthews 1-2 and two in this 5-1 win. Meantime, Rasmus Sandin scores that elusive yeah. power play goal. We've been waiting a long, long time. I think we're still waiting for the challenge to be uh, answered. Yeah, we had to hold our breath. We actually, <laughs> this is one of those you weren't holding your breath. This is the one we kept scratching our head. Yeah. And I got a good head of hair, but I lost. Yeah. I, got, I got a spot now yeah. because you just kept scratching. What the heck are they looking for? Remarkable, but... uh Nonetheless, it, it counted, and here is Rasmus Sandin. Hey, Rasmus, what was going through your mind on the uh, bench there as they were reviewing uh, your goal for seemingly what seemed like an eternity? Well, I didn't know what the challenge was, to be honest, so I was just hoping uh, for them to, to call it a goal, and, and uh, I was a little nervous, to be honest, because uh, we were just talking about I haven't scored in a year and a half or something like that, so I really wanted that to be a goal, and uh, I was super happy when, when they called it. Rasmus, what did you like about uh, just the team's overall performance coming into this one with the emotions of, of losing John and then coming out and having a better performance than Thursday? No, I think we were uh, we were prepared. Uh, I think we uh, we came out and we, we helped each other in a different way on the ice. I think we, uh, we uh, yeah, we just had a different pace out there. We helped each other. We talked a lot on the ice. And, um, you know, no matter what happened on the ice, we, we kept our heads high and, and uh, kept playing. So uh, it was really nice to get that one. Rasmus, you touched on how big uh, that goal is and how long you've waited. Uh, how did it feel uh, to, to end that wait? And uh, was there anybody back home in Sweden watching tonight, do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just checked my phone real quick now after the game, and I think I, I couldn't even read through all the texts that I had from, from back home. So, um, yeah, I was just super happy to get that goal. And uh, But, uh, you know, more important, we got the win, and, and uh, super happy for that. Rasmus Sheldon was saying he likes about you on the power play that you, you're not afraid to shoot when it's your turn. What did you see on, on the play that, that made you want to blast it? Um, I think uh, Mitch read the play really well that their forwards went on a change first off and it was just easy to pass him and we got into the zone very easy. And, and you know, when you play with those players that you have on the, on the power play, it's not too hard for me. I mean, I got it right in my wheelhouse. I took a step into it and I just, uh, well, I, I hit, the, hit the right spot this time. So she's super happy. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's not that hard to play out there when, when you have those great players around you. So i um, thankful to, to, to have the chance to, to play the power play there. Hey, Rasmus, I was just wondering how you were able to flush game one. Did you do anything special to kind of let it go? Uh, I mean, try to, I just watched through my clips and uh, my, my shifts from, from game one and, and uh, closed that game quick and, and uh, looking for 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 the second game here. I mean, it's so tight with games. You can't really look look back to, to what happened in the last game. And same with this one. I mean, uh, just look through uh, what we can do better, what, what we did good, and try to close it quick and look forward for Monday. So uh, that, that's kind of how I have to see it here. Did, it, did anything stand out from the clips from the first game? No, I think uh, just overall, I think, uh, you know, it was the first playoff game. I think the start that we had uh, first couple minutes was uh, was not the way we wanted. So, uh, but you know what? We, we, we closed that game quick and we got the win today. And, and uh, yeah, we're super happy for that. 
All right, so there you have it, Rasmus Sandin. And seriously, uh, it took a while to get the answer, but a big-time power play goal. And that's a big dynamic. I know the power play struggled for quite some time, but to have that shot from the point and tease it at least is big news. And the other part is when we talk playoffs, so many people weigh in on the 6th, 7th defenseman and the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th forward. So it's about yeah. Rasmus Sandin. Can he play in the playoffs? Like, can he play at all? Can he... I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad because I, I like I like the kid shows some confidence, and I think he gets a bum rap about that shorthanded goal because yeah. uh, there was a lot of momentum, you know, going Byron's way for starters. So it looked like he he was just getting killed in a race, but it was an unfair race. So, and, and I like that he shoots on net. They really yeah. need that on the power play. Even Letton and the little bit he played in the power play before he went to Columbus, you know, took that nice low shot. I don't know. They just can't seem to whether somebody are reluctant to do it or can't get it through. So uh, anyway, that was nice to see. And again, it's a small sample sample size, but I think this is a monumental development for this organization, Rasmus Sandin. Something's clicked. Uh, Morgan Riley's a year away from UFA. Uh, you know, the cap is close. Hyman's contract's coming up. I think this is crucial that uh, somehow, and we've been talking about all season long, where's Sandin? Where's Sandin? I know he was hurt, but for him to find his game at the NHL level, I think is big, Gord. Well, yeah, and you, and you got to develop from within. And yeah. they, they did a really good job on the forwards, including guys they traded in Kapanen and Janssen and, you know, players like that. I mean, they've really, de- but defensemen, they've not, they have not developed from the same degree, same degree from within. Mm-hmm. And the best organizations, look at Tampa Bay, you just keep doing it and somebody else comes up and, you know, what have you. So I, I so this guy was a first round pick. Mm-hmm. So is Lilligren. Uh, always thought, I mean, I haven't seen them a tough, uh, a ton lately. Nobody sees, but that Sa- that Sandine was ahead of Lilligren developmental wise, but you invested first round picks on these guys. So you want to, you know, you want to develop them and, and, and try to give them a good chance to see if they can play in the NHL. And I know Sandine was uh, hurt for a lot of this year, but I was puzzled early on him not getting that opportunity. I keep chuckling by the way, Alex Barabanov is lighting the world on fire. Now that he's not with the Leafs, uh, he had uh, what, uh, Seven points in nine games. The Sharks scores the other day for the ROC at the World Championship. The guy's feeling great about life. Uh, Meantime, speaking great about life, um, Jason Spezza, that's big. A vet kicks off the scoring for the Maple Leafs in this game. Calm, cool, and collected. Tight, of course, with John Tavares, who went down. Here's Jason Spezza. Uh, Jason, uh, what did you think uh, personally of your game tonight? It looked to me like you you found the fountain of youth yet again. Uh, Talk about what was going through your head, the, the goal, all that. Yeah, just trying to create good shifts. As we talked about in the morning, uh, it's important for us to have our shifts end in their end and set the other guys up for good shifts. And uh, for me, you know, just trying to grab momentum back as quick as possible after they scored. And lucky enough, they went in. And, uh, you know, then I thought the team really got rolling. Hey, Jason, uh, could I get your thoughts on the response tonight overall from the team, given the uh, emotions of uh, the past 48 hours and especially what happened Thursday night with John? Yeah, I think uh, tonight's game was very characteristic of how we've been all year. I thought it was a good response. I thought we actually had a good start. We had lots of good looks. Price made good saves, and then they get the first one. I think uh, we did a good job of just sticking with it and being disciplined in our play, and then, uh, you know, really kind of got going as a team once once we got a couple in the net and, and really started to play good hockey. So definitely something for us to build off and uh, look forward to next game. Hey, Jace, you're obviously really close with, with John. Did he have a message for the for the team today? And, and either way, what, what does this do for the group? You know, not just tying the series, but just doing this for your captain. Yeah, it's important for us. Uh, the only way we can see John is if we win hockey games, and he's a very important part. Uh, it's incredible how selfless he is. Just, you know, he's trying to calm us down, you know, the, even the night it happened. So um, that just shows why he's a captain, why he's a leader. Um, you know, we care deeply about Johnny, and, and we want to do well for him. So, we're going to try to win as many games as we can so we can get them back in the lineup. 
Jason, what did you see on your goal? It looks like maybe you surprised Wayne and, and obviously also uh, Kerry. Well, I just wasn't sure Simmer saw me because Kerf made a great change and allowed me to come from the bench. So uh, a lot of times when you come from the bench, you're kind of unmarked for a second. So I kind of just, you know, reached, grabbed the puck and knew where I wanted to shoot and uh, lucky enough went in. Hey, Jason, I wondered if you remembered your first playoff goal and what that may have been like for Rasmus. Yeah, I do remember my first goal. Uh, obviously, those moments you never forget. And then for Sandy tonight to score a big goal, I think uh, was huge for our team, huge for our power play. And just, you know, we're very confident in Rasmus' game. He's, he's a guy that's got great hockey sense and moves the puck really well. And to see one drop for him, I think gives him even more confidence. And I thought he played a great game. Jason, there's so much pressure on on superstars in the NHL to be great in the playoffs. And tonight I thought we saw a, a perfect example, I guess, of, of a superstar being great in Austin Matthews. What did you think of him and of the game tonight that he played? Yeah, I, I think Austin was our best player. Um, our best players have been Austin, Mitch, Willie, you know, every night. And that's why our team was in first this year. John, you know, those guys have been clutch for us all year. They haven't had dips in their game. When they do, they get it right back. And that's the reason why we've had success. And, and Austin's a guy that, you know, we know he his play just raises with the bigger moments. So, um, you know, great to see him score as well. Uh, you know, you want to build off that. But you know, those guys are our leaders. And when they go, our whole team goes. Thank you. Hey, Jason, you've obviously scored a lot of goals and assists throughout your playoff career. I'm wondering how important do you think that goal was tonight coming so soon after Kotkaniemi had scored, um, you know, at a time when maybe some doubts might have started creeping in again. Yeah, as a team, we didn't have doubts, but obviously, you know, all goals playoff time are big goals. Uh, and I'll take that one. This is the biggest one I've had this year, and you move forward. But um, for sure, you want a response. You don't want to let the game get away from you. They're a team that plays well with a lead. We, we know that. So the quicker we can tie the game up, it, it levels things and allows us to play our game. So uh, good to have a response. Soup shut the door for us, and, and just a lot of good things to build off. Okay, there's Jason Spezza. Big-time goal to kick off the scoring for the Maple Leafs en route to a 5-1 victory here against the Montreal Canadiens in Game 2. All square at 1 in this series. Again, Game 3 coming up on Monday night. We'll hit the break now. Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca still to come. And Sheldon Keefe, that's Gord Stelic. I'm Nick Alberga, and this is Leafs Nation Post Game on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All Leafs all the time here on this Saturday night. A 5-1 victory in Game 2. All square at 1 in this series. Uh, Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic still to come. Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca. We'll hear from Sheldon Keefe as well. But uh, the beginning of three and four nights here. Um, rarity we see that in this day and age in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So is that what you... Is that how we read the, the maintenance day for Jack Campbell on Friday, Gord? I remember... When they had four games in five nights. That's Stelic. Anyway, no, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think you ride the hot goaltender. Yeah. I think you do not overthink it. He's had a a, a, lo- a lot of rest as well. I thought. I I actually thought having so much rest before because he had to wait for those Calgary Vancouver games uh, was was a bit of a negative. So no, I would I would not start overthinking the goaltender. I would just keep riding Jack Campbell. Yeah, I'm with you on that front, and certainly I think uh, not that he's been coasting, but I don't think we we thought Montreal's offense would be a big story in this series. I think the biggest key and ingredient for Montreal to be successful in this series, what we saw for the most part in Game One, is trying to limit the time and space of the Maple Leafs and play a two-one style game. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Winnipeg's done a good job about yeah. putting speed bumps, as they call it. You can't stop Connor McDavid 
like speed wise, but you can put some, you know, speed bumps. It's, I think there's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews has a lot more. It's, it's not just speed. He did, you know, he's got a lot more in his repertoire. Yeah. Um, I would say more than McDavid. It's just different. But so it's, it's a, it's a different way that you try to defend him, but he, he does his stuff in such a narrow little space that way. So yeah, you know, but, but I think what Montreal did, Nick, last year in the summer, it wasn't all just defense. They they broke out scoring a couple of games as well. So it's about finding ways for them to get three more wins, whatever it may be. Can it be shut down thing? Then sometimes you, you break open like the Toronto Maple Leafs did tonight. For the Maple Leafs, you got the momentum. You know, you you're the better team. So so ride it. Don't don't let what happened what Minnesota might have done with Vegas that all of a sudden they have a one nothing lead in the third game and then it turns the other way and possibly now Minnesota uh, or Vegas is never going to look back in this series. And again, we're most happy about the victory, but I'm ecstatic that the power play got going. I understand there were two for six in this game, but that's a big time development, Gord. Yeah, it is. It is like even if they were cheap, cheesy goals, which they weren't. Yeah, it, it would be. It would be like there. There's just a mental block about it, and they had all kinds of chances. And you know, I think I guess Rasmus Sandin as well with that one. It just showed every now and then. Even Mitch Marner seemed to be taking a few more shots. Whatever you know that you can you can never really go wrong with that when things aren't going great. The out of town scoreboard. Let's have a look here. Uh, Tampa six two win this afternoon. They're now up three one in that series. Uh, how did you foresee that series going down? I called seven. I don't know if it's going to get there at this point. I did six or seven. Yeah. I uh, again early on, like you know, Sam Sam Bennett did something akin to what Nazem Kadri did, and unfortunately that was a factor in that first game. Like they really came out played it well. Then game number three. Wow, Joe Quenville changed a lot of things, and they were down by two goals, so at least they forced the series back to Florida. I mentioned many times, I never like to see a team lose four straight. It's a horrible way to to have that satisfying feeling of making the playoffs in a league where only 50% of the teams make the playoffs and then get eliminated four straight. You're almost better to come close and be the New York Rangers and not quite make it. So, And then... Uh, you know, too much talent like Tampa Bay Lightning. I know Florida, Florida, Florida had a better record in the regular season, but Tampa Bay knows what to do in the playoffs. Yeah, I would concur, quite frankly, that the Sam Bennett suspension was the Bob Stelic turning point in that series, right? Yes, yes, not the Rhoda Stelic. My brother it's Bob Stelic. Yes, that's yeah. right. Different kind of thing. Rhoda yeah, is different. Different, different looks that way. Yeah, and even though he came back, Bennett and got. You know, a big goal in that. It was just he'd been playing so well. He'd been playing like Jeff Carter's been doing for mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, you know, and some of the other trade deadline pickups out there. And it just was it, actually there were two dumb penalties to take. Yes. It was a dumb suspension and a dumb penalty. And and you cannot do those things in the playoffs, I guess, unless you're up in a series like Colorado was and you have all that talent around them. What Nazem Kadri did, what he did against St. Louis. An eight-game suspension, of course, for Nazem Kadri will be out for quite some time. Meantime, uh, you talk about Jeff Carter now down to a best of three in that series between the Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. A 4-1 win here for the Islanders. Uh, A, it was great to see the home crowd just really cooking at the Coliseum in its final season. Uh, But Oliver Walsh trimmed a goal in that game. Jordan Eberle as well. A really dominant performance for the Islanders who got... 29 saves from Ilya Sorokin in that 4-1 victory here in Game 4. They're missing Anders Lee as well. Yeah. So you talk about a team missing their their best player. And, it's just, yeah. and, and, you know, Montreal also has Jake Allen as a backup. Everyone, it seemed, we thought there'd be, and maybe there still would be more depth, more tandems that'll be playing goal, starting goal in the playoffs. And, it, and Barry Trotz is the one that's able to do it as far as the New York Islanders do, that he, you know, not unafraid to mix his goaltenders up. So they're going to be, if they keep advancing, they're going to be well-rested. Yeah, and I, I can't find a better coach in this league who has a better feel for his tandem, and he's not afraid to go to either guy, and you have no clue what's going to happen. Like, I don't know if you've seen, but he's been trolling the media saying, yeah, we're going to have a, 
you know, a Russian goalie who who catches left-handed start tonight. Like they're giving him <laughs> absolutely not. He did that today, and it ended up being the rookie Ilya Sorokin. You know, it's important to bring up Sorokin is 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 a rookie by by you know the definition of the award. But I mean, he's not a rookie. The guy's had pro experience in the KHL. Yeah, yeah. and big game experience. Yeah, and 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 uh, Kirill Kaprizov, Kaprizov, Kaprizov yeah. as well with Minnesota. You know, and. Again, you look at some of the true rookies in that way. When they come a little bit more polished, it's a different deal, but particularly goaltenders. But, you know, we know Cam Ward years ago, but we, we saw mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington a little bit older, but, you know, yeah. a young goaltender take it and run with it, running with it. And decades ago, Felix Botvin did that with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs a long, long time ago. It's so great to have the crowd back. And in general, now past a week into the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, you know, I'm happy you brought up the name Jordan Bennington. The two things I can't get out of my head involve goaltenders Number one, Marc-Andre Fleury's career makes no sense. The guy's a surefire Hall of Famer in my world now. And number two, he could have been had for, for anything last offseason. Nobody wanted him. And how about Alex Nedeljkovic, who was on waivers like twice this season? Nobody wanted him. He's the number one goalie for Carolina. It's crazy how it works out, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was funny. In, in Carolina, really all three, Peter Mrazek had played really well before he got yeah. hurt. I'm always a James Reimer fan, so in some ways, it, it, was, a, it was a tough way to figure out which way you're going to go, but there's a bit of a bum rap about waivers were tough to fit guys in this year. Yeah. Waivers were really different this year. It's not like a lot of guys said Alex Nedeljkovic, you know, can't, can't play goal. It's just, they were able to put him on at an opportune time. And that's something the Leafs had struggled to try to keep that number three goaltender. Right. And they kept losing him to waivers that way. And, and on and on until they made the trade with Calgary. So uh, it's uh, and, and then you thought what's going to happen with Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and Tristan and, and uh, Tristan Jari. And you know he's bounced back and 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 played well. So uh, I don't I don't know if they're just Florida is the most interesting goaltending story right now. And again, it got Ooh. interesting again today. It is uh, it's unbelievable. Not to rip on Dale Talon too much, but he signed that contract for Sergey Bobrovsky, and it was just bizarre because I think it was a month after um, they drafted Spencer Knight. I understand he was a youngster at that point in time, still is, and it'll take some development to get going here in the NHL. But he's probably going to be the backup as soon as next season. And they have this anchor named Sergey Bobrovsky Gord after this season still has five years and 50 million bucks left on his contract. Not to say today was his fault, but there's just too many games where I think people in general are doubting Sergey Bobrovsky, especially a guy you're paying that much money to. It's, it's troublesome. Uh, memories of Ilya Brzezgalov. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, but and, this guy's uh, got the, he had a bit of pedig- pedigree with two Vesna trophies. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. More than Brzezgalov. Yeah. You're right about that. But he also had some too. Yeah. This, this, and, and he wanted to go to Florida. Like he was beloved in Columbus, and it, it seemed to be known before the season ended. Artemi Panarin was going to the New York Rangers, and then he was going to Columbus. Excuse me, he was going to Florida. So yeah, that that's kind of a predicament, a pickle to try to get yourself out of. But uh, you know, teams will figure ways. Florida's problem. I can't wait for the Atlantic Division next season, and sort of laughing at the Buffalo Sabers. Good luck making the postseason. But that's a story for another day. That's Scott Stelic. I'm Nick Alberga. A five-one victory here for the Maple Leafs in Game Two. We hope to link up here with Luke Fox at Sportsnet.ca and hear from Sheldon Keefe as we roll on here on Leafs Nation postgame on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Blue and white at night. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and the Leafs Radio Network. Canadians have won the draw, but then haven't stolen. Kerfoot looking for the empty net. He scores! Alex Kerfoot will put the exclamation mark on this one. 
And it's a 5-1 Leaf lead. And that's how the game would end. A 5-1 victory here for the Maple Leafs in uh, game two of their series here with the Montreal Canadiens. Alex Kerfoot, the empty netter. And again, Gord, that was the uh, story as well. Montreal had their goalie pulled for about eight minutes there in the third period. Well, we saw shades of that last year. The Maple Leafs getting those three late goals against Columbus. And, and for a little while, they were doing a good job keeping the Leafs hemmed in. Kept wondering if Jack Campbell was going to take a chance. Yeah. You know, we always wonder that. But anyway, and, and normally it's Zach Hyman, who's the king of the empty netters. And that would have been probably a nice one for him to do coming back that way. But they... They sealed it with that, or double sealed it with that. They did, and again, that, that's one of the biggest things that can grab, you know, outside of the victory in this game, 5-1 the final, is that you proved Carey Price was human. We talked about it in the pregame show, how important it was to score as quickly as possible, and that's, you know, the key every game. Maybe it's cliche to say that, but the Jason Spezza to kick off the scoring, I think showed the roster this guy could be beat, and there wasn't that moment in this game where doubt started to set in on Carey Price. Yeah, yeah, you because... Know? When they get in your head, and Thatcher Demko did that last year, okay, that was a great example in the playoffs mm-hmm. of him doing that for, that for Vancouver, then you're done. Then you're done. How about the, those guys in Columbus? <laughs> oh, a couple of years ago, yeah. Yeah, last year, Corpus Allo Merzlikens. Uh, yeah. That was I, ridiculous. I, get, I know. Well, that, that That is ridiculous, yeah. okay? That is ridiculous. <laughs> Thatcher Demko played out of this world. Yes. Those guys didn't play out of their world. I mean, they played really well. The Leafs just weren't in this world. They weren't in the bubble. I don't know what it was. <laughs> they're outside the bubble. Yeah, no, it's, it's still hard to believe. You thought, okay, they're making a goaltending change. And uh, yeah, that I, I don't, that series, I have erased all memory. It was so bizarre a world. And really a lot of the bubble, I've kind of erased memory because it was just, you're just trying to get through it. But you're right. That was another thing. Like just when, you know, the, yeah, goaltending ended up being a difference from two unlike a team that lost their number one goaltender from the mm-hmm. previous year, you know, and it ended up being a difference. It just shows you uh, the vast importance of having goaltending. And certainly uh, I think that's, that's great that, you know, there's nothing bad to say about Jack Campbell. Two games. He's been Jack Campbell from the regular season, Gordon, his first uh, career playoff victory tonight in game two. Yeah. And, and really you just, um, and again, you don't, you don't see many goaltenders winning the Smythe trophy as, as playoffs MVP the last number of years. You just need good enough goaltending. You know, at times, great, but just good enough goaltending. Like, win, make the saves you're supposed to make, and then your team has a more than a fighting chance to win most games. No doubt about that. And uh, the Maple Leafs, a great bounce back tonight, 5-1 over the Montreal Canadiens, certainly looking back at, say, you know, life in the last 72 to 100 hours or so from whatever transpired on Thursday. I, you know, I, w- I didn't know how, you know, what to expect from this Leafs team tonight, but I'm glad they use what happened as a rallying cry. Um, I, I, you know, just having the goal in mind of potentially getting John Tavares back at some point in time in this postseason has to be something to strive for. And I feel like the guys really picked up, picked up their game. And that just doesn't include Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and guys like that. I thought Perringville was really good tonight. Alex Kerfoot. And that's the type of game it was. It really was a complete effort for this team. And it's just, it's a great development considering the highs and lows of game one back on Thursday. Yeah, no, it really was. And you mentioned uh, a whole city and a whole leaf nation. It seems like only John Tavares jerseys are available right now and uh, kind of showing their support and unity that way. It was, uh, uh, it's, it's a rallying cry. It's a rallying cry and, uh, and uh, you know, good on them, uh, good on the team and, and uh, rising up for him and, and it's not corny, you know, and, and it gives him a chance. Oh, I don't know when. I'm not going to predict when he comes back or not. It's just yeah. phenomenal, the news we've heard 
you know, since the injury and how horrible it looked the initial minutes. But yeah, the deeper you go, the better the chance. And he wants to, uh, he wants to be along for this ride and that experience. And I'll say too, I applaud everybody involved in the situation and the element of class uh, by the Montreal Canadiens organization. You know, my rivalry with uh, New York Islanders fans. I'm so proud and happy to say that I didn't get one tweet chirping that situation because there's always people like that. And I think it just speaks volumes about that fan base while they're passionate, the, the Canadians fan base, nobody utilized that as a deal, right? Because it was something really, really serious. This guy's got a family. I don't care. Think of it what you will. He left your organization. I understand that. But I think the level of class throughout everybody in the sport, I think, has to be commended. Well, you start off with what, what is basically an accident scene. Yeah. And then you, so when the Montreal doctors and trainers come on, and then Dr. David Mulder, who's the best known of all the hockey doctors, you know, as far as it goes, the uh, respected guy from Montreal that handled Saku Koivu, handled on-ice uh, emergencies with Trent McCleary, taking a puck to the throat. And Donald Odette getting his wrist slashed by a skate. So he came on as well. And they're, and, and they're just trying to support and be there. Because all of a sudden, the first few minutes, as as dire as it looked, and it particularly got complicated when Tavares appeared to be coming through and or, or, or coming to and then trying to trying to break for free, which made it look uh, a, a lot more scary. And, uh, yeah, so they come on for the help. The Montreal Canadiens sending that tweet in the first intermission, uh, that uh, uh, giving their best thought. Yeah. That was all class. But back to the game now. Yeah, back to the game. And certainly the Maple Leafs scored feeling great about life here, a 5-1 victory. So now we look ahead starting Monday night, Victoria Day. Always great to get a playoff game. Never mind the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's going to be on Sportsnet 5-9 of the fan. Yeah, we won't be out for firecracker night. I don't you know. I always fireworks after victory. How well, about that? Yeah, I I was from that era where you'd have the burning schoolhouse, which was ridiculous, and everyone would cheer at burning, which was dumb. You're like what? six years old; it's kind of dumb. Anyway, uh, we won't have that. You're right. Fireworks on the ice. There are fireworks tonight. The Leafs got to jump on the Victoria Day weekend. You're bang on, and more of the same. It'll be in Montreal. It'll be interesting if Montreal if Montreal wins one of the next three games, and then you go back for that game where they could have a crowd of 2,500 for the first time in Canada, 2,500 spectators could be there. And you know how, how that could probably give Montreal a little bit of a charge if they get to a game six. I wonder how many Leafs fans already bought tickets for said game. Well, well, I, well. boy, in Ottawa, you could do that. A lot of okay. fan, or a lot of Leafs fans in, in, in Quebec. I'll tell you that. Well, okay. Well, that would be something. I know Take both buildings the building. <laughs> have, a, have a great, but you'd have to think that they would keep it close to the vest. When you're talking 2,500, yeah. and they would be Imagine able to like control. Two grand of Leafs fans. Wow. Could that ever turn on you? That's <laughs> funny. Could that ever turn on you if it happened that? I had never thought about that. It's like the troll job of the century right there. And don't forget the added wrinkle. And I, I like it. Like it's, it's different. And I understand it because it's 2021. You want to try to catch up to the, uh, the American divisions, but the back-to-back weighs heavily in this series, considering where we're at after two games in a 1-1 series, Gord. Well, no overtimes, yeah. you know, so I, I, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm okay. No travel. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. You know, no travel between game three Pretty and close. game four, so uh, don't worry about it, Nick. Don't okay, sweat I won't the little worry. things. I won't sweat it as much. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I just want to see Freddie Anderson. I thought he looked lonely on the bench tonight. What about us? What yeah. kind of, don't we need a day off in between or something? I need, I, 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 I love my afternoon naps. I do. I do. Uh, uh, yeah. But, um, I didn't take one today, so maybe I don't take one next game because it resulted in a victory, Gord. we got to start doing the superstitions. Yeah. yeah. Try to think them all through. It's important. Yeah. Maybe we'll stay just locked down for another day since we've been locked down no, no, for 14 no. months. I don't want to hear that verbiage ever again. Uh, but, Gord, it's uh, been excellent. It, it feels much better. Uh, everything that resulted on, on Thursday to come back with this victory is huge for the Maple Leafs. 5-1 the final. Again, don't forget, we'll be with you with uh, Leafs Nation pregame starting at 6.30. 
on uh, Monday night for game number three of the series. It's 1-1 after a 5-1 victory here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. For Gord Stelic, I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening.